Somebody wanted us to do a Gilmore Girls episode. I had thought about that when we were just sketching out new ones, but then I thought that would be the same conversation that we've had about Harry Potter and about that other oh um Ghost of Watchmen. Only no book only no book only, tie-in. Exactly. <laughs> no, no real book tie-in, um, except Lauren Graham's memoir. But I guess it's it's the same conversation as like nostalgia really shouldn't be a factor in how you evaluate a new thing. Mm-hmm. That a new Gilmore Girls set of a new set of Gilmore Girls episodes is not going to be the same as the show that you remember. Just like a new Harry Potter book is not going to be the same as the book that you remember. Just as a first draft of a novel by Harper Lee is not going to be the same as something that came out 75 years ago. Welcome to episode 97 of From the Front Porch. My name is Chris Jensen and I am a PhD candidate. And I am Annie Jones, the owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. Hey, you're done. I'm done. I'm so done. I'm a new man. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you so much. It's been every... The only thing I've been doing for months um, has been studying for my candidacy exam, and I did it. I passed this week, which was November 30th. We were recording a couple days after that. It was great. No qualifications. Just, hey, great job. You passed. Hooray. Just what you wanted. Exactly what I wanted. Um, so what we're going to talk about today is not what I've been reading for the past six months, but what you read this month. That's right. So it's our monthly reading recap. And I feel like November was hard. Well, you work retail. <laughs> and I think I forget <laughs> that, um, which is silly because this will be my fourth my fourth holiday season owning my own business, my fifth working retail. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why... <laughs> I don't know why I feel this way. Like, I don't know why. I think the fact that you read three books. Four. Four. You read four books. I think that's remarkable. It is. Thank you. Really? Because <laughs> November, December in retail is the time when you do literally nothing else. All I want to do is curl up in a ball and watch Joey and Pacey. That's it. I don't even know what that is. That's Dawson's Creek. Oh. And that means we've reached new lows here in the oh, Jones Oh, new household. lows. I mean, we're not even talking smart, snarky, well-written television. <laughs> I, it is just me watching this angsty teenage drama because that is all I can handle. I get that. It, I know people do. Like this, It's not just me, right? Like This is something we just get tired and burn out and all my brain can only hold so much. Nevertheless, I did read four books and I cannot wait to talk about them because I've got feelings. Got feelings. Okay. The first one is one that I have been bothering you about reading for months. I know. Um, and I'm glad you finally read it and we actually haven't even talked about it yet. No. Um, so this is good. It's Fun Home by Alison Bechdel. So this is a graphic memoir, Mm -hmm. um, which I have read a few of, but you had been Yes, kind of... Persistent. ...badgering me to read. (laughs) Um, And I took it home one night and read it in one sitting, which is how I think I must like to read graphic things Mm -hmm. because I didn't want to put it down. Not just because I was enjoying it, but because I... I feel like that they're hard to leave in the middle, but I could even even that. though that one is like broken into chapters, like yeah. it's not. I mean, it is continuous. It's one story, but it's it's specific scenes that are broken up, like yeah. parts of her life. Um, that book, it is beautiful 
and hard. And so sad. Oh, it's so tragic. But beautifully sad. Oh, yeah. Sad that doesn't make you feel bad. Sad that makes you just appreciate art. Made me feel a little bad. Okay. Just a little, though. Sad is, like, my happy, though. Yes, that's true. <laughs> You're operating on a different plane. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I... It made me deeply sad, but I don't... I feel like we don't like being sad. Right. Guys, it's okay to be sad. It's like, good to be sad sometimes. Yeah, like, I felt deeply sad, but I'm glad I felt sad. Yeah. I'm, well, it's like... Aristotelian definitions of tragedy, like, it's supposed to make you feel sad, and that's what's good about it. Like, it purges something in your own body. Yes. And I need that all November and December long, I think. I get in very weird moods in November December. Um, probably because I'm super overwhelmed. Right. But, um, I... Okay, a couple of things. Yeah. One of the things that struck me about this book immediately was the vocabulary. Mm. She, I don't know if you noticed that because you're PhD, but I was reading it and I was like, honestly, I think I need a dictionary right now. <laughs> like, I mean, I use context clues, but you know, like I'm, and for some reason, graphic memoir, especially that takes me back. Like I expect that in my literary fiction, right. Lauren Groff or like Karen Russell or something like that. But it did take me aback in this context, I was like, oh, she's using, she is smart. Like, she is she, smart. She's so, a good writer. So it's not just that she has drawn these amazing, I mean, that's what blows me away about graphic. Right. Stuff. Well, especially because she wrote and illustrated. That's it. what I mean. Right. Like, I, I am stunned by this. So, like, not only are the illustrations incredible, but she's also got this really incredible prose. Mm -hmm. And I think that took me aback because I've only, my experience with graphic novels, memoirs is pretty limited. And often the prose is at least really enjoyable, well-written, but simple. Mm -hmm. And I did not find her prose to be simple. Not at all. I felt it's, like I was being challenged. It is consummately literary. Yes. I was really being challenged and I like that. But it was not what I was expecting. Right. Okay, so that was, like, the very first thing I noticed. Um, and then I think the second thing I noticed was just... Is it the fact that I'm reading illustrations that make me innately... I just feel more things? Like, I when I'm... Because it's not just Alison Bechdel. It's um, Lucy... Lucy Nisley. Yeah. When I read hers, I also, like... I mean, was moved to tears at some parts. And now I cry during literature all the time. But I feel like when I'm reading these graphic novels and memoirs, my senses are heightened or something. Oh, right. yeah. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, I found her story her of her mother and her father. Like, it's it's tragic. The subtitle is A Family Tragic Comic. Yeah, which completely makes sense. And after I finished... I immediately got on YouTube and, <laughs> and watched the, the... You had told me to watch one video. Ring of Keys. Oh, which... Mm, just breaks me every time. just tough. And then I had already heard, but didn't realize I had heard um, Studying Joan. What is uh, that Changing called? My Major. Yeah, Changing yeah. My Major. I had heard that before, and I don't know why. Um, and so now, like, putting all of it together where, okay, right. now I'm listening to the music from the Broadway. Um, yeah, to, to explain that in case you don't know, Fun Home was recently adapted into a musical that has been, it just closed on Broadway last month, maybe two months ago. Um, Award-winning, like, really well-received. The soundtrack is excellent. I have not had the fortune to see it. Michael Metz, regular customer, did get to see it. I didn't realize that. Yes, um, and we've talked about it at length. Um, super good. Um, 
But let's talk about what the story is about just a little bit, other than it's sad. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically her memoir about mm-hmm. her family. So they're living in this home that her father has purchased because he loves... I don't even know if fixing up things is the right word. But yeah, he loves restoration, but he loves beauty. And mm-hmm. so he cares deeply about how the home looks. And and anyway, so she grows up in this house where like projects are constantly being done. And her father, I think, really loves the pro- like mm-hmm. the act of the project. The artifice of it. Yeah. Um, and then do they live next door? He works at a mortuary. Right. Right. It's their grandmother's house. That's right. Their grandmother's house is also a mortuary. Yes. A funeral home. So that plays a part as well. But I think it's these relationships with her siblings and her parents. Mm -hmm. That's to me, that was my take. Like I left the book thinking mostly about those things and you know, it's her trying to figure out who she is and then trying to understand who her dad is and the choices that he's made or didn't make. Yes. Um, um, yeah, beautiful. It's it's so good. It's one of those that I could probably, and I'm not, I mean, everybody who listens to this podcast knows this already, but I'm not a huge rereader. Right. But I feel like I could reread that multiple times. It and, holds up and it gets better. And get different things out of it. Um, because, yeah, the first my first takeaways were really about her relationship with her dad. Um, Which is the major theme. Yeah, but I feel like there are lots of other things happening on mm-hmm. those pages um, that you could take away the more you read it the, the more times that you read it so yeah so I enjoyed it thank you for making me read it excellent um, so new feature of when you read a book and I have also read the book I will now give you recommendations based on that book let me do your job um, the first one is obviously her follow up to that book Are You My Mother yes. which is about her relationship with her mom I think it's like if Fun Home is a 10, Are You My Mother is a 9. Like, it's okay. it's not quite as good, but it's really good. Um, and then Blankets by Craig Robinson, which is one we've had in the store. I don't think I've gotten you to read that one yet. No. But I got Rebecca to read it a couple months ago, and she couldn't put it down, read it in one sitting, and it's a big it's book. It's thick. Um, but I would like to read that one. That one's really, really good, too. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, that was my, that was my first book of the month. Okay, your second one was... A departure, kind of different from Alison Bechdel. It was yes. <laughs> Scrappy Little Nobody by Anna Kendrick. Yeah, so my reading, I feel like you're going to notice my reading was interesting this month. I, I, and too heavy, too light. Yeah, and I feel like that has a lot to do with the third book, which we'll talk about in a minute, mm-hmm. because it kind of consumed my reading. Right. But in the middle of it, I picked up a couple of others, and so one of them was Scrappy Little Nobody. I like Anna Kendrick. I find her to be entertaining. I'm not obsessed with her. I've just seen a couple of her movies, whatever. So I thought I'd pick it up because I liked the title, and she's petite, (laughs) and that resonates. And so I thought, I too am a scrappy little nobody. Please let me read about you. Um, The book is funny. uh, It's essays. I don't know all the time what I think, and this might not be the time nor place to talk about it, but... I really, I love memoirs. I really enjoy them. It's hard to read memoirs written by people who are 30 mm. and younger. Right. And I say that, A, being 30 and feeling like I have plenty I could write about. Um, B, reading Lena Dunham, reading, I know she's a little older, but Amy Schumer. Like, mm-hmm. I have read, if a celebrity 
comedian has written a bio or memoir of some kind of read it. Yes, Please, Bossy Pants, Mindy Kaling, both of her books. And I love some of those mm-hmm. that I've just named. To me, Scrappy Little Nobody didn't quite hit that. I think part of it is the ones that I love the most are the ones that aren't strictly memoir, but they also have essays about right. things. And this book kind of was more memoir than essay. Um, that being said, there were obviously things about her life that I thought were really interesting. Um, and I did not realize she was a child actress. Yeah. And so that I thought that was fascinating to read about her just taking the bus into New York City and um, and appearing in plays and on Broadway and and living in Vermont and then kind of adjusting to life outside of Vermont and in LA and things like that. So I, so I thought that was really interesting. Um, and she is funny. I think I just wanted less memoir and more essays, Right. but this book does not claim to be essays. I think I just have in my mind what I like better. Right. Um, this very clearly is a memoir. Um, she writes a lot about her sex life and again, when I read Amy Schumer or Lena Dunham, I totally expect that. Yeah, I don't want that from Anna Kendrick. I I was going to say, I feel very bad saying this. I did not expect nor want that out of this particular book. So, and it's not just like casual stuff. Like, yeah, she talked fairly explicitly about some things where I was like, whoa, I, I didn't need to know that. Uh Um, whereas Lena Dunham obviously talks about that stuff all the time. I expect that from Lena Dunham. Yeah, I totally do. Okay. Which, so anyway, So I read another celebrity memoir at the end of this month mm-hmm. and that we'll talk about. It was Lauren Graham's. And Lauren talked so much about Gilmore Girls and Parenthood. But then Anna, like, just one chapter was about Pitch Perfect. And it felt like... So it's weird. I want some kind of happy medium there. Somewhere in between. Yeah. Like Tina Fey, where she writes... Yeah. In Bossy Pants, she has a couple episodes or essays about SNL and about 30 Rock and yeah. about work life but it's never about the show right it's about her life and that she manages to tie other things exactly Um, which I will say reading all of these makes you really appreciate I think Mindy Kaling is a legitimately good writer right I think Tina Fey is a phenomenal writer Mm -hmm. um because like I read Amy Poehler's and felt ambivalent about it um and I kind of felt ambivalent about this if you like Anna Kendrick and here's another thing a tip I feel like a lot of other podcast listeners and readers have told me, these are the types of books you should be listening to on audio. Yeah, Probably absolutely. told in Anna Kendrick's voice. It's probably even more funny, even more personal, even more heartfelt, whereas some of it fell a little flat for me in the reading format because I don't think Anna Kendrick is first and foremost an author. I think she's first and foremost an entertainer. Right. Um, so anyway... Interesting tidbits if you like celebrity memoirs. This one's certainly worth reading, but probably try it on audiobook. Try it on audiobook, and if you're just not sure, if you want to read it, there is a good interview that Chris Hardwick did on the Nerdist podcast with Anna Kendrick. It's about two hours long. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, no spoilers from the book or anything, but she talks about the book and the process of writing it, and I found that very interesting, even though I haven't read the book. And I probably would like to listen to that now that I've read the book. I think yeah. that would be an interesting accompaniment. Because I think... I mean, she comes across as very articulate and very smart, mm-hmm. and I'm sure that comes across in the book as well. Absolutely. she. Yeah, when I say she's an entertainer, not a writer, I just mean I think there's a line, right? And I think Tina Fey is first and foremost a writer. Right. Um, but I think Tina Fey, Anna Kendrick, Mindy Kaling, I'm reading these women because they are smart. 
They are right. in, they are intellectual. They are articulate. Um, so that's not surprising to me. That did come across in the book. Um, just a cup. It, it just didn't. I didn't love it like I wanted to right. love it. Um, but that. But I enjoyed it. So so worth reading if that's your genre. No shame in that. Right. Um, this next one, the one that you took a while to read. Oh my gosh. And you have some thoughts, which I have not listened to the yeah. um, new one because that just came out today. Yes, a new podcast, new podcast. Episode, episode released this week all about My Brilliant Friend. Uh, yesterday, right. Um, so, My Brilliant Friend, Alana Ferrante. So, My Brilliant Friend, I won't take up too much time just because we dedicated a whole episode of Love It or Loathe It uh, to My Brilliant Friend. We'll link to it in the show notes in case you missed it. But My Brilliant Friend took me... I bought it in October at Parnassus. Mm-hmm. Didn't pick it up, didn't pick it up, and then decided, let's do an episode in November. Let's make ourselves read it. Let's make ourselves read it. Um, Talk to Hunter, talk to Emily. We decided to read it. They both finished. Hunter finished within a week. Right. Emily finished maybe. She felt like she was taking too long, and I kept telling her, please don't worry. I am not done. Um, Whatever. It took me four weeks, and I finished it ten minutes before we started recording the podcast episode. Um, I, what, here's what happened. I enjoyed reading my brilliant friend in, in the moments of my reading it. I enjoyed it. The moment I put it down, I stopped caring. Mm. Um, which made, I, about halfway through, I put it down to maybe read scrappy little nobody and then I had a lot of hard... I had a really hard time picking it back up. Like swing time. Yes. And so, Monday, I realized, oh, we're recording a podcast tomorrow. And I was halfway through. Mm. And so I picked it up. Powered through. And powered through. Which means, if you decide to tackle My Brilliant Friend or the accompanying novels, I would imagine these are books best read on vacation in, like... Not one sitting. You can't tackle this in one sitting, but, like, when you're not going to put it down, probably when your life looks a little calmer than mine Not the weekend looks. of Black Friday when you work retail? <laughs> right. That's that was not probably... the best setting for reading My Brilliant Friend? Yeah. I'm, so... I'm shocked. <laughs> I'm realizing that that was, that was a horrible <laughs> idea. Um, so, yeah, that might have been part of my struggle with My Brilliant Friend because, okay, the other struggle is the expectations that went into reading this book. Right. I feel like... I f- okay, prior to me telling my feelings about the book, I was under the impression that everyone who read this book loved it and then immediately felt compelled to read all four. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it while reading it. Felt like I was reading a modern classic. It, because it's not easy right. to read, but I enjoyed it. It's a translation, so that plays a fa- plays a part. That's a factor. Um, but I, and I said this on the podcast episode, I felt no sense of urgency. No, nothing is compelling me to read the next three. I do not understand all the people in my life, whether my virtual life on the internet or like my real life, who told me, "Oh, read it. After you make it through fifty to a hundred pages, you'll be hooked." The book is a complete flatline, meaning it's just beautiful prose. Not too many climactic things happen. There's not, like, one climactic moment, which is fine, but I don't know why people were like, you got to give it 50 pages. It's the same novel. Right. 
Like, there's no 50-page hook. See, for me, when people say that, it's like it's like reading Shakespeare. It's hard for the first 10 pages, and then you just get used to the language. And, and I wonder if it's just people who maybe don't usually read literary fiction maybe. reading something very, very literary and having to get used to the language. Maybe so, because... And I don't mean this high in my... Like, no, But that didn't all. bother me. Right. Like, I immediately started and was hooked from page one. Hooked meaning thought the characters were interesting, found the writing to be beautiful, thought the plot was okay, I'm in, I'm here for this. It felt like, um, because the first book kind of is from ages 11 to 17. It's about these, these two friends, Lena and Leela. Okay. Sure. Yep. Um, it's about these two friends and I think it's about their lifelong friendship. Mm -hmm. So the first book is ages 11 to 17. So when you start at their 11 and I honestly felt like I was reading little women or something Mm, because it's very much, it felt like children's literature just, high literary children's literature. Um, But my point is, I did not have trouble adjusting to the rhythm. Um, But maybe you're right. Maybe that's what people mean when they say give it 50 pages. Because to me, if you don't like the first few chapters of this, you are not all of a sudden magically going to like it. (laughs) Maybe it's like you said, you might be used to the rhythm. Mm -hmm. I did not have trouble with the rhythm I suspect if you are a regular reader, you will not have trouble with the rhythm. But if you don't like it, you're not going to like it 300 (laughs) pages later. I think that's what I kept waiting for. Like, well, I've been told I'm going to love this. And then I got to 300 300 pages and I was like... This is the same. This is the same as what I was reading 300 pages ago. And you don't dislike it. No, I don't dislike it. Um, My rating in the Love It or Loathe It episode was spoiler (laughs) alert loved because loathe is too strong a word mm. um if your choices are only love or love, love it or loathe it. Right. uh emily emily's choice was or <laughs> 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 so <laughs> she fell soundly in the middle um and how did hunter feel loved it okay but what's interesting is so hunter probably enjoyed it the most right that's I, not shocking to me no i liked it but i cannot figure out why we're reading four of these. And I cannot figure out, this is what I said on the podcast and I am very curious. And so if you're listening, I want to hear from you. Why did you like it? Because I am selling this book to all ranges of readers. Oh yeah. And I want to know, are you really reading it after you buy it from me? Or is it just a prestige? Or is it a prestige thing? Because this is literary fiction for sure. And a lot of people who have bought this book are not literary fiction readers. Which is fine and good. Which is great. We support that. Oh, I want you to do that. But I'm really curious, are you enjoying it? Yeah. Um, the, the other thing is if you're reading this in a book club setting, that makes total sense to right. me because there's a lot to talk about. Um, I'm thinking, and maybe it's just because of its setting in, um, 1950s Naples, Italy, but it's like little women meets the Godfather. Yeah. Um, that sounds fun. It does sound fun. I'm going to put that somewhere because that's a good description. Um, <laughs> but, and so like. I enjoyed it, and I will say, no spoilers, but, like, the last couple of pages, climactic things happen, and I'm not surprised then that some people feel like, oh, no, gotta go read... what happens next. Yeah, gotta go read book two. I think I'll read book two, but I will probably wait until life... Like, this is not a book to read. Yeah, this is not a book to read 
I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah. Let me read this no, book in was, November. That was not great timing. It was my. It was a mistake because. But it was born of partially born of my schedule, where I couldn't be around right. to record. And you're like, oh well, we'll do eleven or love. Yeah. Uh, so I apologize. <laughs> well, and I once I gave myself a deadline right. that I can follow because reading this book feels like reading something for school. Okay. Which I love, mm-hmm. but I am shocked that other people love it. Right. Like I am astounded by that. So we really do want to know what you think. I do, because I'm going to say one more thing. Um, So before reading this book, I felt like everybody was telling me they loved it. After I read this book and kind of just put, I think I did an Instagram story that was like, "Uh, I have some feelings. So many people, many of them booksellers or book publicists, agents, whatever, were like, we read a couple of Ferrante or didn't make it through the whole series or didn't read the whole book. And I thought, where have you people been? All I have heard is loved it, loved it, loved it. Make it through the first 150 pages and you'll love it, love it, love it. See, and I have a lot of writer friends who love it. And I wonder if that is just the pro styling. Yeah. Because writer friends. Right. Typically. (laughs) Yeah. Are in books more for pro styling than they are for plot. Right, and so is Hunter. Typically. And he said right. that. He and said I, that in the podcast episode. I am too, to be fair. Yeah, and I I get that. Emily commented that she you know, she was worried it was, her, it was partly her coming off of mostly reading young adult fiction, right. which is driven by plot and right. character development, um, because not a lot of plot happens in this book. That didn't bother me. My, the fatal flaw was me reading it in November and putting it down. Right. I shouldn't have put it down, because when you're in it, I feel like I enjoyed it. Did I have a sense of urgency or this compelling thing to keep me going? Not really. Um, But I enjoyed it while reading it. But the moment I put it down, I stopped caring. Right. Um, And I'll say that at least my brilliant friend, I picked it back up. And then obviously was hooked enough to read 150 pages in less than 24 hours. Yeah. So anyway, really do want to know other people's thoughts though. Very curious. Yeah. Let us know. Uh, send us an email, uh, comment on social media. We would really like to know. Yeah. All right. The last book that you read this month was Talking As Fast As I Can, the new memoir from Lauren Graham. Yeah. So I read Lauren Graham's novel, Someday, Someday, Maybe, and I really liked it. I didn't know that was a thing. Oh yeah. All right. It came out a couple of summers ago and I think it's a perfect beach read. But I thought it was well-written. I thought it was interesting. Um, I'd compare it to um, C.J. Hauser's The Frumways. Or, um, oh, what's the name? Stephanie Clifford's Everybody Rise. Oh, yeah. I feel like I was impressed with the writing. And a lot of people thought it was autobiographical because it's about a young actress. I don't care if it was autobiographical or not. I, People I enjoyed think that it. about every novel. Yeah. I just, <laughs> I enjoyed it. I thought it was fine. Um, I enjoyed her novel more than I enjoyed her memoir. Okay. So at first you think you're reading Laura like Gilmore's memoir. The tone feels like I am reading Lorelei. Like the, if this makes sense, it feels fast-paced. There are parentheses everywhere, like which feels like how Lorelai talks. Mm-hmm. And I was very startled by that. You I didn't was, get that from the title? <laughs> well, Talking as fast as I can? <laughs> I, I just thought, interestingly, did you tell me this? or No, I heard this on a podcast. I find this very hard to believe. But apparently, in interviews, Lauren Graham and Alexis Bledel claim that Lauren Graham is more like Rory... And Alexis Bledel is more like Lorelai, personality-wise. Huh. 
Which I wouldn't have guessed. I mean, Alexis Bledel was married to Pete from Mad Men, so I don't know what to think. I have so many thoughts. Although in real life, he's not gross. He's not gross, but he is weird. Oh, he's super weird. He's like off the grid. I was weird. about to say, he like doesn't have a cell phone. I think has lived in ditches. I'm not sure. <laughs> like, like there are things happening there. Anyway. Um, okay. My point being, you feel like you're reading Lorelai Gilmore. Um, I did not love it. The okay. first couple of chapters. I found it fascinating because she grew up primarily raised by her father. Oh. Um, oh. They lived on a houseboat. Um, that is so interesting. Right? <laughs> so, like, I was very intrigued by that. Um, her chapter, but as, and I don't think it was a rhythm thing. I think it was after the first couple of chapters, that sarcastic, multiple parentheses, writing as fast as I can, changed a little bit, and then I liked it. What, my favorite chapter was, apparently, she's very close with her co-stars from Parenthood, mm-hmm. obviously. She's married to she's, one of them. Yes. And I love how she wrote about him. Was It was... I really like when I can tell that people like each other. Did you like his cameo in the... Uh... Yeah, I did. <laughs> well, and she talked about all the people she got to do cameos. Okay. You see Sarah Ramos, who was on Parenthood, walking mm-hmm. in the background. Mae Whitman has, like, an actual part. Yeah. Um, Very Jason, small, but good. Small. Jason Ritter, mm-hmm. who's also mm-hmm. from uh, Parenthood. He had a great part, too. But he I and, love Jason and, Ritter. Oh, who, what's Peter Krause. Peter Krause, Okay, yeah. so he couldn't... He was supposed to play both of those roles, and then he couldn't be there for the full day of filming, so she called Jason Ritter and was like, can you fill in because I really want Peter to have this part. So, like, I thought that, like, kind of behind-the-scenes stuff, I'm always here for. Like, I want to know That's stuff really like cute. that. I love that. So her stuff about her relationship was lovely to read because I like when people like each other. Yeah. Um, and then the behind-the-scenes stuff about Gilmore Girls, the original series, was pretty good, but the stuff about Gilmore Girls the Year in the Life series was even more compelling because she said she kept a journal. And so she actually remembers. And she said, and I think you can tell when you watch, she said she cried in almost every scene she was in. She, like, could not keep her emotions at bay. Um, She had a really hard time. And she talks about, I hope you've seen Gilmore Girls at this point, but, like, there's the Stars Hollow, the musical. Yes, my favorite part of the whole thing. (laughs) I have feelings about the musical. (laughs) It's my favorite part. But... Carol King at one point um, does this bit that I'm not sure I loved, but apparently that day of filming, she just all of a sudden like encouraged everybody to gather around and she like played at the piano and did like this little concert sing-along thing with the crew and Lauren writes about it like it was just this magic moment and then she sang, she did not know, nobody knew the, the name of the series was A Year in the Life and that it was going to be winter, spring, summer, fall, mm-hmm. which obviously is from the Carol King song. Right. So she just started singing that song. Oh. And so everybody just started to bawl. Like, oh my gosh. Okay. So anyway, I thought that was really cool. So you get these little behind-the-scenes looks. So if you like Gilmore Girls, yes, obviously, read this book. I had a um, podcast listener, friend of the show, whatever. She listened to the audiobook and said it was fantastic. Oh, I believe that. So that that might be the route you should take. So I think what we've settled on here is celebrity memoirs should just be listened to on audiobook. Yeah, which <laughs> and for somebody like me who doesn't like audiobooks, I think I struggle with fiction audiobooks. So and we've talked about that too. Yeah. I very much prefer nonfiction audiobooks. So I think I might instead of because I love reading these things, mm-hmm. but they also take away from reading time. Right. And maybe I should be listening to them yeah. instead of, or like mixed in with podcasts. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I think I liked it a little bit better than Scrappy Little Nobody, 
But I think that's also because I love Gilmore Girls. Yeah. I've been watching that show since I was a kid. You're so, more invested in that. Yeah, I'm really invested in her story. So if you like Gilmore Girls and if you finished A Year in the Life and you're feeling like, what the crap do I do now? <laughs> read or listen to Lauren Graham's memoir. Does it also have a, like, much built up to Final Four words? She talks at length about the Final Four <laughs> words, and I will talk to you about it after we stop talking in case mm. we have people who haven't finished yet. Ah, well... Um, yeah, so those are the four books I read in November. You can find full episodes of From the Front Porch on iTunes or on our store website. That's bookshelfthomasville.com. I also want to encourage you to vote for the bookshelf. We have been named in the top 25 indie businesses in the nation, and there are just two Georgia businesses represented. We are one of them, along with our friends at Fuzzy Goat, a yarn shop here in Thomasville. So you can vote for us. I will put a link in the show notes um, because we would love to win and use some of our money for a new store computer. Which we need. Desperately. Because we've been using a computer with Windows XP. Mm, guys, it is not good. Guys, it's 2016. They <laughs> phased that out in 2005. <laughs> so, so things are kind of dire, but we feel this renewed sense of hope thanks to the Indie Awards and not to sound cliche, but it's really nice just to be included in the top 25. Absolutely. So thank you, and if you will vote for us, that would mean the world. And hey, we're doing something very special for our upcoming 100th episode. We want to hear from you, and when I say here, I mean literally here. <laughs> we have a link on our website that is www.bookshelfthomasville.com forward slash front porch. And at that link, you can record yourself for up to three minutes. We will listen to all of these. Um, we want to hear from you. Ask us questions, give us recommendations, and you might make it onto the show. Yeah, we're really excited about this, so don't leave us hanging. It would be really sad to have zero voicemails. No, we were a little bit inspired by Reply All's recent 48-hour telephone call-in show, <laughs> which was, man, like, interesting, but a chore to listen to. Yeah. Um, so, please, we're limiting you to three minutes. <laughs> please give us a call. Um, and as always, please check out our social media, see what we're doing behind the scenes, at Bookshelf TV on Twitter and on Instagram. Thanks so much for listening, and we will see you guys next week.